guys. Man, oh man, it feels like it's been a little while. I've had uh, with the Word and Spirit Week and then having the fourth Sunday again to the house churches and the outreaches, but I'm still living in the afterglow of the Word and Spirit Week. Man, that was something else. That was so good. Well, if you weren't at Word and Spirit Week, uh, we're going to have the Word and the Spirit right now. Are you guys good with that? Now, anyone uh, want to guess what is often cited as the number one problem in marriage? Anyone want to guess what that might be? Yeah, those are all number one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sex, money, and communication. So, we're gonna t- which one are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about communication this time. So, we talk about sex, we talk about money. So, uh, yeah. Someone once said, um, everyone wants more sex and more money, but no one wants to talk about it in the church. We'll, we'll talk about it another time, okay? We're going to talk about communication this time. So any relationship is only as strong as this communication. And so you can see, you can almost picture like a, you know, I'll just pick on guys. You can picture the guy like sitting there watching TV and his wife's pouring out her heart next to him and, and he's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you think that's really, you know, she's like, listen, are you even listening to me? He's like, I heard everything you said. You just said, are you even listening to me, right? Like, like that's not the communication that they're looking for, right? And so um, healthy communication is a two-way street. And I think a lot of times in our prayer lives, it kind of is like that wife pouring out her heart. And we don't even know if God's up there listening. We don't even know if our prayers are getting above the ceiling. But uh, healthy communication is a two-way street where we talk to God and he talks to us. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of the uh, brilliant theologian, Lily Tomlin? You guys remember her? So, uh, She said this, how come when we talk to God, it's called prayer, but when he talks to us, it's called schizophrenia? Right? And so a lot of people, they like, like normal people hear from God, but we've just kind of made it something a little bit different here. So every believer has a relationship with God. And so everybody prays. You don't get brownie points for praying. Like every, every atheist, when they're in trouble, they begin to pray. It's okay. It's, it's like prayer isn't what gives us brownie points. What gives us brownie points is that we're connected to Jesus, right? It's not our prayers where God's like up there like, okay, I'm going to reward them because they're praying. But it, prayer is how we, how we uh, partner with God. But it's also how we relate to God because he speaks to us. And so our entire Christian life is spent learning how he speaks, Right? Like, it's something you're continually growing in. It's not like, okay, I got the God voice thing figured out, and so uh, what's the next? No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a relationship that's continually being cultivated. And so we're all aware of those people who said, God told me, and we know God was nowhere near the room when that happened, right? We, we, no one, none of us want to be that people, and so we're going we're gonna to talk today about how to recognize God's voice. So we're kind of in the middle of a series here. We talked about the beginning of the year, there being four pillars of Zion, encountering God, being trained and equipped, like, like the wording of this one always gets me. Belong and never stand alone. Are they behind me? All right. Belong and never stand alone and com- commissioned to transform the world, to change the world. And so we're still in the encountering God. So we're going to look at part six of encountering God. We're going to look at recognizing the voice of God when he speaks to us. And listen, there isn't a single person in the room here who your life would not be radically changed if you had a clear word from the Lord. Like if you're in a relationship that's difficult, one word from the Lord could transform everything. Or if you need to have a physical need in your body, just hearing that word from the Lord or hearing it afresh, his desire to hear you. Listen, I, I tell people this, like if you're praying for someone in a wheelchair, don't focus on the condition, focus on the willingness of God to get them out of whatever got them in the wheelchair. You see what I'm saying? Like getting, the, like getting that awareness of God's willingness to heal you, boy, that would change everything right there. If you're in a financial mess, man, one word from the Lord. Here, here's what I know about finances. You don't usually have a financial problem, you have an idea problem. And the good news is we serve a God who has unlimited ideas. Like he's the creator, creative. Like, like he's got lots of creativity up there for whatever your problem is. But the thing is we need to be able to hear that solution, right? So God is constantly speaking to us. Here's John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Another time Jesus said this in John 8, 47. He who belongs to God hears what God says. 
The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Here's the thing. We hear it, but it doesn't mean we always recognize it. I think Andrew might have been, I, I don't know how many times Andrew gave uh, some illustration. I leaned over to Mary during the, um, we had Andrew on my speak here a week or two ago, so if you're new here. And so uh, I don't know how many times I turned to Mary, I'm like, I thought that was my illustration. I literally thought, like, the Lord gave me that. And I'm like, I, I guess I must have heard it from Andrew, because I listened to him every day for 10 years. But this one, I think, is from Andrew. But, you know, I'm not sure if you guys realize, there's actually um, radio waves and television waves floating through the air. Right? Oh, there's one right there. Did you see that? They're actually floating through the air right now. And uh, the thing is, if you were to turn on, a trans, uh, turn on a receiver and tune it into that channel, then you would be able to receive that transmission. Now, no one's up there getting mad, like, man, the radio station, they stopped transmitting. Like, what's going on? I don't hear anything. But, well, you don't have your transmitter on and tuned in. That's the problem. God is constantly speaking. But it's up to us to have our transmitters turned on, being born again, and tuned in, taking time to tune in and learn how to hear his voice, right? God doesn't have a speaking problem. Sometimes we have a receiving problem. That's what we're going to talk about today. Are we good? All right. So I want to talk about, uh, last time we talked about many different ways God could speak. Remember, we looked at dreams and visions and word pictures and all those different. Remember, we, remember I told the crazy story of me with a shotgun and that whole, yeah. Remember that sermon? All right, so today we're going to focus in on one, and uh, that, that's still small voice. And so there's lots of different names for it. People call it um, impressions, inner promptings, leadings, the inner witness, still small voice. God revealed an idea to me. He spoke to my heart. I just know it in my knower. Does any of that relate to anybody where you kind of relate to some of that? Someone like, how do you know that you're saved? I just know that I know that I know. Right? That's what we're talking about. There, there's something on the inside where God speaks. It's not in your physical years, but he's speaking to you at a spiritual level. And so I, I want you guys to just get this. Normal people hearing from God is normal in the Bible. Okay? Like God speaking to you is a normal thing. It's not for like some elevated status. Well, you know, like those special people. You know, they get, no, no, no. Every believer gets to hear from God. And there's just different, there's different angles. There's different uh, phrases for it. I like how Nehemiah talked about it, how God led him by an impression. Listen to Nehemiah 7.5. So God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. So uh, he wasn't saying that he heard an audible voice, but there was an influence that came upon his heart, and he recognized that that was from the Lord, and that's what actually gave him the direction. Okay? Sometimes impressions can lead to a miracle. Okay? So it's not just for direction. Sometimes it's like, okay, God's actually wanting you to do something. Paul's ministering in Lystra, that was the name of his city. There's a man in an audience who had been uh, paralyzed since birth, and here's what it says in Acts 14.9. It says, Paul was looking at the man, and it said, he saw that he had faith to be healed. Now, you can't literally see faith, right? Like, like, you can't see it. What does that mean? It means he had, a, he had a perception spiritually that he knew the condition of the man's heart, and when he acted upon it, the man stood up and was completely healed, right? And so uh, it's that spiritual impression, that perception that he had. Another way of describing impression is uh, in the story of the paralytic. Uh, Jesus, he told the man, remember the, uh, there's a story of the paralytic. His friends, uh, he's, he's paralyzed. His friends bring him on a mat. They tear through this roof. Can you just imagine the offense of that? Of like all of a sudden, you're, you're, uh, you know, I'm going to speak, and all of a sudden you hear, eh, eh, like a saw. That's supposed to be a saw noise. Eh, eh, eh. You can tell I haven't been around a lot of saws. <laughs> I've read about them. And so, you know, they start cutting through the roof, and it's like, I mean, that's offensive. It's like, what is going on here? And, you know, it's just a great story because we read it in like a verse or two. 
But, you know, I mean, these poor people's houses, they got to clean it up. They got to, they didn't have like, I don't know if they had like lumber yards in ancient Jerusalem. I mean, you know, I mean, you got to go get the wood repair. Like, big old mess. But we just read, oh, that, what a cool story. Big mess. And so um, they're lowering their, um, their, uh, their friend through there. And the Pharisees weren't liking it. Okay? It says, Mark's, Mark chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? Oh, because Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiving. Oh, they didn't like that. They, they, they didn't like forgiveness of sins. They didn't like healing even more. And so some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now notice, they hadn't said a word out loud. It says they were thinking it in, in themselves. Here's what uh, the next verse says, Mark 2.8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. So oftentimes, divine impressions are like that. There's an immediate knowing in our spirit. There's an immediate knowing on the inside part of us that something is true. How many of you guys are feeling like, okay, I know what you're talking about. I've experienced something like that. By the time I'm done with this, I bet you all of you have. And so we're going to continue to uh, kind of tease this out a little bit. Some of you might be thinking, well, Jim, you're a pastor. You're like, you've got like the bat phone to God. Here's the good news. Everyone has a bat phone to God. That's a born-again believer. Okay? It's called your spirit and his spirit are now one spirit. It says, you have the mind of Christ. And you're like, oh, I don't have the mind of Christ. Well, it's in there and you're born again spirit. And so when we begin to recognize, okay, you know what? On the inside of me, I have everything. that I'm, I have the perfect wisdom of God. I have the Holy Spirit. You are one third, you know, your body, soul, and spirit. One third of you is Holy Ghost. He's in there. And so I, I jokingly say this. If you want to know God's will, have some thoughts. Because you have the mind of Christ. Now we're going to learn how to test those things. I know I've had some thoughts that weren't necessarily God. Perhaps you have too. All right? Or maybe the person next to you, maybe not you, right? But um, the fact that you're here this morning means you were probably prompted by God or prompted by somebody who was prompted by God, okay? And so um, I bet some of you thought today, you know, am I going to go to church or am I going to do something else? Part of you are like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this church deal. They've got some work to do around the house, I was going to say it's beautiful outside, but um, that, that went out the window a couple days ago. Uh, you know, maybe I want to do some work around the house, spend some time on a hobby. I just don't quite feel like it. But you know what? There's another part of you that was like, you know what? I, I feel this pulling to go. I remember there's this guy who did not grow up in church, and I was talking to him. He's like, Jim, I, just, I don't hear God's voice ever. And I shared this, ver- this verse with him, John 6, God draws people to Jesus. That's the only way you'll ever come. And he's like, you know what? He's like, he's like, that makes sense to me. He's like, every week I'm going about my business, and when I realize Sunday's coming along, I start feeling this drawing, like, I should go to church. He's like, I don't even know why. He's like, I don't even like going to church, but there's something in there that's drawing me. He's like, do you think that could be those promptings that you're talking about? I said, listen, bro, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And if you keep following that prompting, you're going to find yourself uh, in the family of God and on an adventure with the Lord doing things you never thought possible. Some of you here this morning, you didn't realize it was a prompting. Or it could have been a prompting from someone who guilted you into coming. But we'll take it anyway. We're glad you're here. It's a divine appointment now, so just enjoy it, all right? Every one of you who are a Christian, you're here because you followed a prompting. There came a point in your life where it's like, am I going to go all in on Jesus? Am I going to go all in on following him, or am I going to keep trying to figure it out on my own and one foot in, one foot out? There was a prompting that says, you know what? It's time to go all in. It's time for you to go all in. How many of you have been baptized since becoming a Christian? Okay, so if you've done that, it was because you were following a prompting. 
Okay, there was a time you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm scared to get in front of everybody and give my public testimony, and I don't want to get wet and have my hair look funny in front of everybody. But there was another party that's like, you know what, this is part of honoring the Lord. Is this is important to Jesus, this does something for my spirit to testify that the old man is dead and all that comes with that, you follow a prompting. Um, these, leading, these leadings happen all of the time. Maybe you're at work and like a little ethical thing comes up. Maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to take a little bit longer of a break than I really am supposed to. And there's a part of you that's like, you know what, you deserve it. You know, nobody's going to notice this, the boss doesn't appreciate you, you deserve a little extra break. There's another part of you that says, you know what, even if no one else knows, I know. And God knows. And this isn't the right thing. And you follow that leading and you say, I'm going to get back to work on time. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about when that little thing comes up? That's the prompting. Those are those inner leadings of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had kind of a broken relationship with somebody. Things, you're crossing swords. Things have gone bad. And there's a party that's like, I'm not getting on my hands and knees and crawling to this person. They were 99% wrong. I was only 1% wrong. And so, um, you know, your anger always feels justified, right? Everyone likes to talk about righteous indignation. Well, all, all indignation feels righteous in the moment, okay? People, I love it when people get angry, and they're always quoting me the scripture about Jesus with the whip, you know, getting the whip and, like, driving out the money changers. I'm like, Jesus had the character to be able to handle that. You're not able to handle the whip right now. You don't have the character. Of, all right, some of you don't think that's very funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> but then the Spirit of God is like, listen, relationships are important. Humble yourself. Go to that person. And, I, and I, you know, what are you doing? You're following the prime. Listen, your flesh and the devil are not telling you to go humble yourself and reconcile with a person. Okay? That's the Holy Spirit. My point is that these promptings are happening all the time. And I want to help you recognize them a little bit better. So how many of you, after describing some of those things, how many of you are like, you know, I, I feel like I've had a prompting at some point in my life. How many of you guys? All right. About half of you. All right. No, I'm just kidding. It was more than that. It was more than that. All right, so let's answer a couple questions to help us hear God's voice more clearly. What will it sound like when God speaks to me? Okay, so how do I recognize God's voice when I'm not hearing physical sounds? I've done this exercise tons of times, so if you're new here, I'm so glad because you haven't heard this before. And so um, here's what we're going to do. Some of you guys already know what I'm going to do. Close your eyes, and I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say your first, middle, and last name out, uh, in your head, not out loud, in your head when I count to three. First, middle, and last name. One, two, three. All right. Some of the kids are participating in this one, too. This is good. <clears throat> they're, they're saying their first words right now. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. <clears throat> and so this is actually how we taught our kids to hear God's voice. I want you guys to get this. When you became born again, 1 Corinthians 16, 6, 16 says, Your spirit and his spirit are now one spirit. Okay? They're like, you can't separate them anymore. They, they've become one. So what that means is when God speaks, his voice is oftentimes going to sound like your voice. I'm not saying every time there's a voice in your head, it's God, but it's going to have that same sound that you, just, that you just heard. See, in human communication, what's happening is I'm speaking words, and you're now prompted to have thoughts that you probably weren't having beforehand. Like if I were to say the word chocolate, all right? Some of you were already thinking about chocolate, which is kind of weird. I'm just going to say it. Some of you are now thinking about chocolate. Some of you can't stop thinking about chocolate, which is also weird, and so I'm sorry for that. <clears throat> but you see what I'm saying? I'm guiding your thoughts with your cooperation, now, because we're finite as humans, we're limited to sounds on eardrums or ink blocks on a page or sign language or something like that. But God is infinite, which means he doesn't have to use sounds on your eardrums, vibrations on your eardrums or ink blocks on a page. He can actually put thoughts directly into your spirit. God is spirit. He can actually put thoughts right into your spirit, which means you can have a thought that directly came from God. 
God can, that's what communication is, is guiding your thoughts with your cooperation. So God can do that directly to your spirit. So what this means is it's really possible for you to have a thought that came from God himself. Okay, the Bible is full of stories where normal people actually had this happen. So what's it going to sound like when God speaks to you? It's going to sound a lot like your thoughts coming from you. Now, how do you recognize if it's a thought um, from God, right? Uh, We're going to talk about that in just a second. So the second question, uh, first question is, uh, what will it sound like when God speaks to me? Second question, if God were speaking to you, wouldn't I just know it? I mean, come on, Jim. Like, how do I, why do I have to figure this out? I mean, it's obviously not God. I would know if it was God. Well, um, people, th- people think that, but that's not true. A lot of times we don't know it's God, or we misunderstand it's God, or we presume it's God and it's not. So let's, let's talk about how to, how to tell the difference here. There's a, a great story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And Samuel is a priest, and he's training up a younger priest named Eli. And I love this story. It really helps me. Here's the story, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel's the, the young boy who's, uh, who's training. I'm, uh, yeah. No, yeah. Samuel's the young boy. Eli's the priest. I got it. Okay. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Samuel answer, here I am. And he ran to Eli, the priest, his mentor, and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down again. And the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The work of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called to Samuel a third time. And then Eli realized it was the Lord, it, realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I actually remember, I'm just remembering this, Mary. When the boys were little, when we lived in the um, house in Winston, the, or whatever, rural hall, then uh, I remember uh, Joshua had that happen. Remember, he thought we were calling him. I mean, it was like something right out of that story. He's like, hey, you guys call me. I think it happened twice. We're like, hold on. We know what to do in this situation. You're like, this, like oh, yeah, yeah. So it's nice when you know what to do. And so here's what's happening. The Lord's speaking to Samuel, but Samuel doesn't know it's the Lord's voice. And so this, this story means a lot to me because it tells me that sometimes we don't recognize it, but it's, it's through that training. It's through having that experience with the Lord that we're going to be able to recognize his voice a little bit more. And so the Bible teaches that two things are true. Number one, psychologically normal people hear from God. Okay, like, like these aren't like crazy people in scriptures. And number two, it takes time and training to learn how to hear God's voice. Now, some people, it just seems like they hear God's voice clearly from like day one. Like Mary's mom, it's like the moment she got saved, it was like she's been waiting for this her whole life and she just hears from Lord and it's great. Other people like me, I'm like, I think it took me a while to figure I'm still figuring it out. I mean, we all are. But I feel like I, I was, had an extra long learning curve with this thing, probably because I was such a Pharisee and I put stuff down and had overcome some things, all that good stuff. But I want us to take a lesson from Samuel. And uh, we can invite the Lord to, te- <clears throat> to teach us about his speaking by just simply saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Just taking that time to slow down and, uh, and let him speak. So the final question for today, <clears throat> excuse me. How do I know these leadings are from God? Okay, So people often wonder, how can I know if it's God speaking to me and not just my imagination? So um, how many of you remember back before telephones had caller ID? Okay, Yeah, m- many of you weren't even born yet. You're like, what are you talking about? That sounds barbaric. Like, how could you ever do that? Well, there's actually a time where the phone rang and you had to walk to it because it wasn't in your pocket. You actually had to walk to it, go pick it off the wall and say hello and wait for the other persons on the voice to hear what it was. And so um, 
how on earth would you know who was on the other uh, end of the phone you, um, without them telling you, okay? And so sometimes they could just say, hey, it's me. And you knew exactly who it was. And so um, I'll just do this. What are some other ways? How would you know who was on the other end of the line? Like what, what would be some indicators of who it was? Say the name. That, that's always helpful. That's always helpful. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, you know their voice, like the tone of their voice, the sound of their voice, right? Anyone else? They always call at that time. There you go. Some of them uh, be like uh, ways of addressing you. My one friend, um, when you call, he would say, hey, fool. I was like, what? Like, that's the way you're addressing me? Hey, fool. And so, um, yeah, and so it, it boils down to this. The one undeniable way to recognize someone's voice is through experience, like whether they're calling at the same time or the sound of their voice or the tone of their voice. And so you guys know when someone who's close to you calls, you can tell whether they're in a good mood, whether they're in a bad mood, by just the way they say, just by the way they answer the phone, hello. You can tell, whether, ooh, 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 what's wrong? Or, oh, man, you got something exciting to share. Why? Because you've got experience with their voice. And that's how it is with the voice of the Lord. There's an experience that comes from hearing it. And so um, you're like, okay, Jim, that's great. But while I'm on the road to experience, how can I tell? Well, let's look at uh, three distinguishing characteristics. I'm putting on my professor hat today. I'm giving you guys an outline. You guys okay with that? All right. Um, so God's voice has distinguishing characteristics. And so uh, the first distinguishing characteristic of God's voice is you always speak in a ways that are consistent with his character. Okay, God's always going to speak in ways that are consistent with his character. In other words, God's voice is never going to be anxious or frantic. Okay, you never see in Scripture where it's like, and God was freaking out, and God stayed up all night because his stomach acid was boiling over. Like, there's, there's none of those things, right? And God was worried. So when God speaks, his voice isn't going to be any way that's inconsistent with his character. So if you're having an anxious thought, you can be pretty sure it's not from God. Okay? God is good, and so his voice is going to say good things to you. It's not going to say grotesque things to you or dirty things to you, right? Um, he's peace, so his voice is going to bring you peace. He is love, and so the things that he's speaking to you are going to convey love. Sometimes there's truth with love, but it's still going to be, it's still going to be wrapped in love. And so, uh, interesting, uh, uh, Sean and Nicole were talking about Luke 24, Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Um, so he, after the crucifixion, he, he's walking with the disciples, and it says, they were kept from recognizing him. So here he is, he's speaking, he's guiding their thoughts, and they, they, they could not recognize him. But later on, as they reflected on it, they said, surely we're not our hearts burning within us. When God speaks to you, it's going to have an effect on your heart. I call it Jesus heartburn, right? It's like, if we're not our hearts burning within us, it's like when Jesus is speaking, it's speaking to that best part of you. It's like, this is the person I want to become. It's like, this, it's like he's calling you to be that best part of yourself, right? When Jesus speaks, it always has a certain effects on your heart, on your inner life. Okay, so when Jesus speaks, your heart's going to be filled with love. When Jesus speaks, you're going to see sin for the folly that it really is. You're like, you know what, that just doesn't look good anymore. When Jesus speaks, you're going to be reminded that, you know what, servanthood is the true path to greatness. And so when Jesus speaks, he's going to touch that, those parts of your hearts that, that are going to be for the good. And you're going to have that Jesus heart burned. And I love their conclusion. You know what, we should have recognized Jesus' voice because of the way it affected our hearts. And so that's one of the distinguishing characteristics there. 2,000 years later, we can still learn to recognize God's voice from the way it, hit, way it hits our hearts. It's always consistent with his character. It's never going to be worried, always going to be good, always going to be loving. I remember, um, oh, this is a terrible story. I remember uh, when I was uh, making my living off of real estate investing, we had this weird niche where we, you know, we were buying houses pre-foreclosure, 
whole bunch of stuff, you know, putting in people with bad credit uh, on a lease to own. We'd repair their credit, buy it, win-win. And so, uh, so it became really important for us to have like a credit repair business. And so we found this one that was doing things that were almost too good to be true. And so uh, we, went, we were going we to buy into this franchise. I think it was $75,000, and we would have made our money up uh, pretty quickly on that. And everything looked great on paper. And um, my wife and my sister, I, I went into business with my brother-in-law. They're like, we just don't feel good about this. And I was like, <laughs> you foolish women. You don't understand these complex financial things that I now understand. And I'm showing them the numbers on this whole thing. And they're like, hey, yeah, that's great. I, I just don't feel peace on this thing. I'm like, peace? Like, like yeah, every, you know, no one feels peace on something new. You know what you talking about, you know? And so just kind of blew through it. And uh, we gave the guy the $75,000, and then when he revealed to us the secrets of how they were able to get this credit repair, it involved fraud. It involved some, uh, some fake trade lines and those type of things. And, you know, one of my core values is I don't look good in orange. I'm not going to prison for something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened? It violated peace. You know, and so uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule your hearts. So one of the pictures there, it's like, let him be the umpire over your hearts, going, strike, ball, right? You know, like, peace, no peace. And so when you're not feeling that peace, again, it's not that you're never going to be facing something that's difficult. It's just there's going to be a peace in the middle of it. The, the, the peace is that God says, I will be with you. And when that peace is gone... It's funny, I, I call my pastors uh, a lot of times and ask him for advice, and I can almost predict the advice he's going to give me. He calls me Jimmy, because I got saved when I was about nine or ten under him. Jimmy, follow the path that leads to peace. And that's always the advice, and uh, you know what? That's pretty good advice. And so whenever you're, if you're having a difficult time making a decision, follow the path that leads to peace. So the second distinguishing characteristic of God's voice is that his leadings will be consistent with Scripture. Okay? No one is ever going to be led by the Holy Spirit to do something that contradicts Scripture. Now, here's something uh, interesting. God has no problem violating your interpretation of Scripture, but he will never violate Scripture. All right, remember, so Peter, he's like, Peter has this vision with these unclean animals, and God says, rise, kill, and eat. Peter's like, I'm a good Jewish boy. I'm never going to eat something that's not kosher. And so God was calling him to do something that was a, a new revelation of the new covenant, that these, are, these Gentiles are not unclean, okay? So I remember... Um, Someone that was close to us said that God was leading them to divorce their wife because they were no longer happy. And so he had been cheating on someone else. And um, listen, guys, God is not going to lead you to cheat on your spouse. That is inconsistent with Scripture. And so um, like, like I even hate saying that out loud. It's so stupid, but there are people that are possessed by the spirit of stupid on a regular basis in churches. Okay, and so God will never lead you to cheat on your spouse because that makes you happy. God's more concerned about you being holy than being happy. And when you're living holy, you'll be more happier than you were on accident in your selfish pig life. Okay, there we go. Final distinction. <laughs> the final distinguishing character is a guy's voice, and so it's going to be uh, consistent with his character. It's going to be consistent with Scripture. It's going to be consistent with love is the third one. It's going to be consistent with love. If someone says that they just feel led to pass along gossip about somebody... Um, it's, it's, they're being led by a spirit, but it's a lowercase s. You know, it's not the, it's capital S Holy Spirit, right? As a general rule, um, God's going to lead you in the direction of living the kind of servant-oriented life that Jesus modeled. Uh, the enemy is always going to lead us into self-service. The, uh, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into serving other people. And so here's a simple question to ask. Is this action selfish or loving? 
That's just going to cut through. Some of you can write that one down if you want. That's just going to save you, save you a whole bunch there. Every leading from God is to be consistent with love. This is kind of a, a ridiculous story, but Mary and I, this is like early in our marriage. We're trying to learn how to hear God's voice. And we were at this, you know, you've heard me tell about this. This is when we were in our financial state where we were, um, as they say in Latin, maximus brocus. And so we... Um, we had no money, and we had these horrible pots and pans. Like, every time we would eat, like, parts of it would come in, into, like, the food. Like, the Teflon, we'd find it in our food. We're like, ah, you know, and, like, like the metal, like, the rust would come up. And, it's, you know, I mean, we, we could pretend it was that extra flavoring or something, but it, just, it gets old after a while. So we had these terrible pots and pans. And uh, Mary's dream, uh, she was um, just finding out about that cult called Pampered Chef. So, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a cult. I'm teasing. It's not a cult. But, um, Anyway, so, uh, so she, her dream was to have the whole pots and pans set of Pampered Chef. So we began saving our money and uh, we're doing whatever we're doing. So we scrimp and save. So she finally has enough money to buy us the Pampered Chef ultimate pots and pans set. No more eating rust. No more eating Teflon. No more poisoning the children. We are now going to have the Pampered Chef pots and pans. Well, these people at our church, their house literally burned down. They, like, left with just, like, them, the kids, and the clothes in their back. They had everything. And so Mary's like, I just feel like we're supposed to buy them uh, a new set of pots and pans. We're supposed to buy them the, the um, Pampered Chef pots and pans. And so she's like, you know, do you think this is the Lord? And so I remember we were, like, trying to discuss. We're so new in this, you know. We're just trying to discuss it, and we're like, well, it's probably not the devil. <laughs> it's probably not the devil leading us to do this. It's probably not the flesh. Like, our flesh really wants to stop eating Teflon, right? Like, we're tired of it. It's overrated. And uh, so we're like, you know what? Not the devil. Not... It probably is the Lord. Ding, 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 ding. And so, um, so yeah, so it's going to be consistent with love. It's going to be consistent with, uh, with serving. So to summarize, uh, there, there's three distinguishing characteristics of God's voice. It's always going to be consistent with his character. It's always going to be consistent with Scripture. And it's always going to be consistent with love. And so um, I did this demonstration a few years ago. I think I'm going to try it again. I need a volunteer who has a high threshold for pain. Anybody? High threshold for pain? Josh, come on up here. Here we go. He didn't raise his hand, but I, I, felt, I knew in my spirit that he was the right guy. All right, all you have to do simply is just face the audience, and I want you to um, uh, tell them what I'm going to say out loud. Okay, I'm going to turn off my microphone. But before we do this... I'm going to have the different sections of the audience represent different voices that may be in somebody's head. So this voice, when I prompt you, you're going to say over and over, this is not a declaration, this is an acting exercise, you're not saying anything negative, all right? You're going to say, I'm so worried, I'm so worried. Okay, let's practice it right now. One, two, three. I'm so worried, I'm so worried. Boy, that felt authentic. I, maybe we should, no, okay, that was good, that was good. Uh, this, this, this section right here, you're going to say, no, no, no. Try it again, ready? One, two, three. I really meant that one. All right, this, this audience, you're going to say, money, money, money. Ready? One, two, three. Money, money, money. All right, and this audience, is, you're going to say, you're going to fail at this. One, two, three. You're going to fail at this. Oh, wow, Derek. <laughs> Derek, you're in the money audience. I don't really like the way you said that. I'm really sorry you had to see that. All right, these are different voices that could be going on in somebody's head, not necessarily Josh's, okay? And so I'm going to count to three. You're going to say it. I want Josh to hear what I'm going to say. I'm going to turn off my microphone. What did I say? Something about me looking really good in pink. Uh, no, but... <laughs> no, I couldn't hear. Josh could not hear. 
All right. Now I want you to be still and listen to what I have to say. What did I, what did I say? God is with you. God is with you. Ding, ding, ding. All right, let's give it up for Josh. Listen, we got voices on the outside that are competing for our attention, but we've also got voices on the inside that are saying, I'm so worried. No, no, no. You'll never do this. You're a failure. Look at your past. You need to be going for money, all these things. And uh, I want you to know, um, if you're going to hear God's voice, you must learn to be still. It's often called the still, small voice, and I think that's instructive to us. Everything changed once Joyce was, Joyce, Josh was able to, Josh and voice all at the same time there. Once Josh was able to silence those competing voices, once he was able to do that, he was able to hear more clearly. Let me ask you, when do you have quiet in your day to listen to the Holy Spirit like that? Notice it wasn't, he didn't take minutes to get ready. He didn't have to like worship real quick and then confess some sins and just simply stilling himself. Why? You don't have to do that either because your spirit and his spirit are one spirit. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to prime the pump. You don't have to, you know, give him an offering to get his attention. Jesus was the offering that got his attention. You have his attention. So let me just ask you this. What keeps you from creating silence so that the other voices go still for a while? I mean, I I wish we could just hold up our hands and go, stop. Everything's silence. Yes, Lord. right, Right? But we know it's not that easy. And so people who want to hear from God must pay a price. And here's the price you must pay. You must learn how to still yourself. I mean, you, know, you can do this. You can go around a workplace. I mean, you can do it where, where there's noise around you, but it helps to practice when there's not a whole bunch of noise around you. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's an interesting verse. Notice the writer doesn't say, talk a lot and know that I'm God. It didn't say, keep the television on and know that I'm God. It didn't say, surf social media and know that I'm God. It didn't say overstimulate all your senses with noise and know that I'm God. He says, be still. 1 Kings 19.11, great story. Then God said, this is he speaking to Elijah, Go out and stand in the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Isn't that interesting? God was in the wind, but he wasn't in the wind. I mean, I'm... I don't know about you, but if I'm standing there and God's like, go stand out on this, on, on this mountain, the rocks are terrible. I'm thinking I'm having an amazing encounter. God tells me to do it. He passes by. I'm like, this is amazing. God's like, no, no, that's not, that's not it. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Verse 13, so it was when Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He's like, you just told me to come. Yeah, he didn't say that part, but anyway. What does he do? He hears the still small voice, and then the Lord gives him instruction. And so Elijah, I mean, Elijah, he's got the light show of all time coming on. Earthquake, wind, fire, earth, wind, and fire. He's got the whole concert going right there. Every distraction to the voice of God. Even supernatural activity sometimes. It's just like, hold on. We're getting our eyes on all the wrong things. He stills himself. The phrase, that still small voice, I think it's instructive to us. Still, we have to be still, right? Everyone who wants to hear God's voice can have to still yourself on the inside and slow yourself down. Sometimes you just need to rest in his presence. It doesn't have to look like this whole gymnastic routine thing. Um, what happens is he begins to engrave on your heart the language of the Spirit. As you're still before him, as you're just 
turning your attention towards him. He begins to, he begins to speak to you. He begins to, he begins to put his spirit over your heart. And it's a still voice, but it's also a small voice, which means it's easy to miss. I'm not sure if you guys will realize that. I, when you have, we have Bobby Connor in here. He has got the most wild stories of hearing God and doing the most radical things. And I asked him one time, I said, Bobby, how does God's voice sound to you? He, says, um, uh, he said, um, it's quiet. I said, how do you hear God's voice? He said, quietly, just like everybody else. He said, this is very easy to miss. He said, sometimes in those stories, it would have been so easy to just brush that off as a thought. I'm thinking these prophets, like, God's just like, boom, and it's like, you're cheating. And it's like, you know, like, I wish God would speak to me, like, shake me like that. And a lot of times those, those stories, it just is almost like a passing thought that would have been easy to brush off. But they recognize, hold on, that's God. They've learned how to still themselves so that they're staying connected to the Lord. But then that it's small, they don't dismiss it when it's small. They're recognizing that it's him. So if you want to hear this morning, how about we start hunting for God's voice by just simply saying, speak, Lord for your servant is listening. Just say, God, I want to hear. I think everything begins with hunger, right? It's, it's like, God, I want to hear. And uh, that, that sets us on a different trajectory. I want to close with this thought here. I was talking to a man from another state this week, and he was really wrestling with whether or not he was born again. And uh, I never try to convince people that they're born again. And so I just, like, that's the Holy Spirit's job, to convince somebody, right? And so we just talked through some scriptures, and it turns out that this person hasn't really fed themselves spiritually. Like, they've attended some church services, um, you know, but they haven't actually fed themselves in a while. And here's what I know about, uh, about spiritual hunger. Natural hunger, if you don't eat for a while, you feel hungry. Um, if you do that spiritually, it's the opposite. You get unhungry, right? The way that you get hungry spiritually is by eating, and when you feed yourself, you get more hungry for the things of the guide. Your appetite changes. So these things, right? And so I remember this girl I went to college with, uh, she was anorexic, and she could literally eat a grape and feel full because she had so deprived herself of food that her, her system had shut down. And what she needed to do, she just needed to force feed herself some things over time and get her appetite back. And I, just as I was praying last night, I just feel like some of you, your, your spiritual hunger is gone, and you're feeling bad, and you don't know what to do. I'm just going to encourage, this may sound crazy, you need to spiritually force feed yourself. You're, you're spiritually anorexic right now where your system is so shut down that you hear a little sermon and you feel full for the week. Guys, that's not normal to have one meal a week. Okay, that, that, that's not normal. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just trying to give you the remedy. Is if you're here and you're listening, like, man, I would love to hear God's voice more. I've got some good news. God would love for you to recognize his voice more. I believe you're already hearing it, just kind of brushing it off and not recognize it. But what would that look like for you to find some space this week to just, I'm not, I'm not talking five hours, I'm talking, try three minutes <laughs> of just unhurried, unfrenzied time to sit there before the Lord. Maybe you read a scripture and think about it. Maybe pour out your heart and listen. You don't have to do something heroic, but just to find some time to be still and to hear that small voice. And I believe it's going to change your life this week. All right, let's stand for closing prayer. You guys good? I feel like I talked on one and a half times speed today. I'm not sure what was that. We're trying to beat the Baptists to lunch, babe. That's what we're trying to do here. I don't think that's ever happened, but anyway. It's not even really a goal, but anyway. All right. Hey, you know, before we close out here, um, you know, we've been talking about hearing the Lord, and, and uh, one of the things we talked about is you, you must be born again. Your spirit must become alive to his spirit. And I've got some good news for you. God loves you regardless of where you're at.
He is so for you that he, he loves you so much. It's, it's like an all-out, it's, like it's like a divine romance in the middle of a life and death struggle. It's like God, he, he, he removed every obstacle, came from the universe. He created you for love. Our sin blocked it. And God is like, I, a Song of Songs says he pictures him like skipping over the mountains. It's like he's coming over every obstacle, and he came to this planet and said, I'm going to remove every obstacle because I love you so much. And so our sin stands between us and God. And so Jesus came, and he took care of the sin problem for you. And so now you can have a relationship with the Father, not based on your goodness. You don't have to be Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect. Um, Jesus, he came, and he took all the sin, so you can now have that fresh relationship with God and, uh, because of what Jesus had done. And so to be born again means that you're saying you're, you're trusting Jesus. You're not just believing facts about him. Demons believe facts about Jesus. But you're putting your trust, you're putting your confidence in Jesus. You want as much of Jesus in your life as possible. You're recognizing, you know what, I blew it, I went my own way, but Jesus has made a way for me to have the life that God has always wanted, a life with God. And so if you're here this morning, I'm just going to ask you to do something. We're not going to make you come down front or pray, but Jesus said this, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And I just want to make sure uh, we just have an opportunity this morning. Is there anybody here and you're like, man, I need that. I, I need that relationship with Jesus. I'm asking ask you to be brave and just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you right in your seat. Is there anyone here you're like, I need that relationship. I don't have that walk with God. Or maybe I did and it's been a while. But you want to trust Jesus. Is there anybody here? Just wave your hand. Anybody? All right, thank you for that. Anybody else? All right. Well, hey, there's really no, like, prayer that you pray in the Bible. There's no, like, sinner's prayer. But uh, sometimes it's helpful to just have a prompt, to just take what's in your heart and express it to the Lord. And so if you're listening online and maybe you're wanting to pray this, I'm just going to give some prompts. And, uh, and so you guys can just pray them in your hearts, whisper them out loud, whatever that looks like. Our team would love to pray with you down front afterwards and just give you some stuff to help you get connected. But you, the, being saved is a starting line, not a finish line. It's not like, okay, got that out of the way, go live my life. It's like, no, you are just stepping into a life of adventure with God, and it's going to be so good. And so I'm just going to give you some things to pray. And so um, you don't have to pray these out loud. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can repeat them if you want. I know churches are trained to do that, so all right. Jesus, I love you. Please forgive me. I've done things my own way, but I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you for help. I'm trusting Jesus, that he is enough, that you will forgive me, that you will lead and guide me, that you'll give me a new strength over sin, a new purpose in life. I want as much of Jesus in my life as possible. Amen. That's it, just trusting Jesus. And so uh, we'd love to agree with you in prayer. If you uh, didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer, we would love to agree with you guys. But guys, my challenge you this week, and uh, this isn't like a works thing, it's wisdom. Where in your life, where, where today, before you lay your head on the pillow, uh, some of you, that's a nap at, uh, after lunch here, that's okay. But before you lay your head on the pillow for the day, can you just have that unhurried, unfrenzied time to just be still? And so just give God a chance to speak. Sometimes it's just him warming your heart, and you don't really hear any words, but you just feel differently because there's, there's peace and things are lifted off. Or you're speaking to him, but after you speak to him, take some time, see if he wants to say something back, and uh, test it with those things we said. All right, bless you guys. Our uh, ministry teams are coming forward. They'll be the ones with tags on. We'd love to move you. I would